Hi, I'm Bronwyn Clark. Hi, I'm Bruce McAvaney. Hi, I'm Jenny Williams. Hi, I'm Tom Wren. Hi, this is Wendy Schaefer. Hi, it's Keith Bradshaw. And I'm Ben Hook. In conjunction with Sport SA and the Breakthrough Mental Health Research Foundation, this is Hooked on Sport. Hi there and welcome to another edition of Hooked on Sport. Today is episode number 34 and I want you to think about the stock market. Imagine a stock with a share price next to zero and then within three years the price goes through the roof. Well that's essentially what's happened to women's footy. Not even a decade ago it barely raised a blip on the radar. Now we see a vibrant AFLW, a range of state leagues around the nation, and a burgeoning amateur and junior footy for women and girls. The great challenge is providing education and skills coaching to this emerging group of dedicated footballers. Daniel Lee is aiming to fill that space. He has established the Level Up Women's AFL training program, specifically designed for girls and women, to develop their footy skills and understanding of the tactics of the game. Daniel Lee joins me next. Hi, it's Steph Nair and you're listening to Hooked on Sport. Daniel Lee, welcome to Hooked on Sport. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me. Uh, Daniel, to the unfamiliar eye, women's footy, it would look like is getting every bit the leg up that men's footy currently is. Is that true? Yeah, Ben, I think it is. I think it's really beginning to get the leg up. I think there's still a long way to go. But to the unfamiliar eye or to the new families who are getting involved in AFL, especially with their young daughters um, and, and young girls getting into AFL. There's still a long way to go, but I think the, the spotlight that's been put on the, the women at the AFL level, I think it's really trickling down to the juniors and increasing the popularity. Um, it's beginning to get to the, to the level of the men's, but I still think there's a long way to go. But I would imagine that there are very, very few women-specific resources for girls and young women who want to get into Australian rules. I think that's exactly right, Ben. Um, there are very few, and, and the ones that do exist are for the women at, at that top level where the the resources are available. Um, however, for the junior junior girls and women getting into the sport, there's very few resources around, and, and the training model is all based off how the men train, but it, it's very evident that training needs to be quite specific for the women um, and the resources aren't accommodating for those women at the moment. Tell us about Level Up. Yeah, so Level Up provides women and girls who, who are playing or, or who are starting to play AFL with the specific uh, skills and technique related to AFL and, and those demands of kicking, handballing and, and tackling. So those very core components of, of the game are, are taught at a very individual level. And then we roll into to, uh, parts of injury prevention and then also getting the most out of their body in terms of strength and conditioning. So it, it's a very new pathway for some of these girls. And then for the girls who are playing, it may be resources that they haven't been exposed to, especially at that junior level. And it, it's really exciting, and especially being able to pass on my knowledge of being a physiotherapy and how the body works, but specifically how the, the female body adapts to sport. And then also some of the mental components to it of maybe when the girls aren't playing so well and how to adapt to that and, and manage training and games and, and their life outside of football and, and to get the most out of their body. We run these sessions one-on-one with, with an individual component to it or as a group or team-based sessions as well. 
we're going to speak to uh, one or two uh, women's footballers who really made a name for themselves before women's football was particularly popular. Just describe your admiration for those women who really cut a path when it was unpopular. It was almost derided a little bit for women to take up Australian rules football. Yeah, I have huge admiration for those women. and It really started a long time ago when there wasn't the television coverage for, for women's AFL. We weren't hearing about it as much in the media. A lot of the work was done behind the scenes when there was no real awards given or anything like that. All we have to do is, is look at Jenny Williams, who co-founded the SA Women's Footy League. And really, you know, women like her are the ones who cut the path for players like Aaron Phillips, who we are now seeing, um, you know, on the television and, and playing footy at the highest level. And they're, they're the women who are now, you know, supporting and encouraging the juniors coming through and the popularity in the junior level is, is increasing. But it's it's all thanks to, to the women like Jenny Williams who, who began the sport and really, or the sport in SA, and, and which has branched out across Australia to, to what we see today. Daniel, we routinely see in AFLW uh, high, it seems to be high levels of injury rate. I don't know if that's just a perception or if that's actual reality. Are there differences in the preparation for women to play Australian rules as distinct from men? Yes, we've seen, obviously, you know, hugely publicised the ACL injury rate. And I think this last season, Compared to the men's, I think women's ACL rates were between nine and ten, or ten times higher than than what we saw in the men's, mm. and um, no doubt, obviously seeing and Phillips go down in the grand final last year, along with one of her teammates, Chloe Shear. I mean, that was just yeah, perfect, wasn't right. it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, there, there's no doubt that preparation and, and training is much different for for women. And we have to think about, um, you know. It's not just about the training. It's the body types are very different. Hormonal changes are very different, and they affect tendons and muscles and ligaments in the body. And 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 that's training needs to be very specific for the women to um, essentially set them up for injury prevention. And that's a whole other story whether you can prevent injury or not, which is uh, very difficult. But you know, at least putting them in a position where their bodies are able to handle the, the rigours of AFL and, and coming from other sports like netball where it's very stop-start and, and you know, ankles and knees are, are still quite prevalent um, injury sites. It's all about the endurance uh, of the AFL. It's, it's continuous. They might be on the jog and then it's a, a 100% sprint and then it's slow down to a jog and, you know, they're covering 12, 14 kilometres a game and, um, it's about working under fatigue as well, which is which is really important, and and being able to perform under fatigue while your technique breaks down as the game goes along is, is quite important as well. So um, there, there's lots of different um, avenues you can go down for training with women, but I think you know if you can get yourself into um, a position where you're working with coaches who really understand that, it, it's going to put you a, a long way ahead of a very generic training program where you might be training behind the boys, which is which is another component of level up, which um, is quite important. I want to take away the girls from, you know, 
working behind the boys, you know, it, it's all about, yes, you know, the boys have this opportunity, so we're just going to give it to the girls as well. Well, let's, let's separate them and, and, you know, work with that specific training that the girls need. So, yeah, it, it definitely needs to be quite specific for, for women aspiring to play AFL. Yep. Daniel, I just learned something there. The reason why my Australian rules football career never took off, you said that it's continuous and that you're supposed to jog and then sprint yeah. and then have a rest. I, I missed out the sprint bit. Maybe that was no. a problem for me. Maybe that was uh, why I never really got my career off the ground. Hey, you made a really interesting point about just difference in body shape. And uh, I've got a mm. cricket background. And I note that a lot of women's cricketers have just, because there is nothing else on the market, have been forced to use men's boots and men's batting mm. pads, you know, smaller size of of uh, men's bats and I would imagine that's yeah. similar in Australian rules football as well we're still putting women in men's shorts and men's guernseys and yeah. uh, even men's boots is is mm. that coming around or is that still a long way to go to get that right I think there's still a long way to go there and, and there's certain things that you you won't be able to change obviously based on the the demands of AFL but Certainly, I think the first thing that was looked at was obviously the size of the ball, and that was that was changed. And and that's you know another thing that that traditionalists look at, I think. And and it's it's you know well if they want to play AFL, they need to you know stack up to the boys and play how the boys play, and and that's really detrimental to to the development of women's AFL and and essentially to the confidence of the women and the younger girls aspiring to play AFL and, and I think um, if we're really going to progress and, and take women's AFL to the level it can get to we need to absolutely look into factors of, of the game that can be modified to to breed success for the women and, and not in the fact of making it easier but to uh, adapt to you know just like we've said the body types and and the the way the body's going to adapt to to playing AFL, and I think I think we're coming a long way. We are, we're changing, obviously, how the the Guernsey's made and the shorts, and um, being quite discreet and quite respectful for the women. And I think that's that's great. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's a few other things that we can definitely look at, and and footwear's always changing. But um, yeah, I think we are going to see. Um, a lot more changes coming through, and and but it's also quite positive because it's going to it's going to alter the way the women play the game, and it's not going to be played like the men. And I think that's also where the game needs to go for the women is, is that the girls um, are obviously watching a lot of games that the men are playing and and wanting to play like the men, but it's it's okay not to, you know, they they bring their own attributes to the game and and they're going to play it in their own style, and I think that's really exciting. Let's take a short break to hear from John Mannion at the Breakthrough Mental Health Research Foundation. It's brilliant that we're starting to return to sport, to return to physical activity and to be part of a team again. Both wonderful things that will have a positive impact upon our mental health. But for some of us, the time out of sport may have been a challenge and so returning to the sporting group might be difficult for us. Therefore, we think it's really great if we look out for each other. And one way to do this is to know the five signs of mental distress that can help ourselves our family and our friends. So why not look out for things like, is somebody not feeling themselves? Have they started to become withdrawn? Maybe they're showing some signs of agitation. They could be starting to neglect themselves or having conversations with you where they're expressing their feel sense of hopelessness. 
If this is the case, it's important to reach out and to put your hand up. Take the time to connect with your families and friends. Give yourself permission to relax and to recharge. Remember, it's normal to feel stressed, sad and confused, and talking to a trusted family or friend can really help you. Remain calm and try to keep a routine as normal as possible. Look after yourselves and your loved ones. And remember, we're all in this together. And now back to the show. Daniel, I'm interested in how you've got to this point as a physiotherapist in Sydney running a footy education and training program that's specific for women. You began life as a young lad at Mitcham Primary School, played footy for the Mitcham Hawks. I think you went to Prince Alfred College uh, across to the US for uh, furthering your education. I reckon you spent some time as a punter in a college football team. It's a remarkable story. Um, just in a bit of a nutshell, how did uh, how did that manifest itself uh, in a women's footy coaching program? Yeah, look, like you mentioned, I've been really lucky to have done um, and experienced the things that I've experienced. And um, I was really fortunate to be surrounded by extremely supportive family and close friends. And, um, you know, obviously some of those clubs that you mentioned, the schools that I was fortunate enough to go to, there were some really important people along the way um, who helped motivate and guide me and, and helped me get to the position I am today. And um, a lot of those people I saw um, or in my life were women and, and quite strong, independent women, just like my, my sister and and um you know there was there was lots of uh influence from them and and along the journey a lot of it was about my um progression through sport and taking my career as high as i could and um and baseball was was my number one sport and that's what took me over to the u.s and fortunate enough to play at uh two colleges in the states one in oklahoma and then graduating from the university of indianapolis and um having the confidence to to get over there, move over there with one suitcase, quite naive, to be honest, at the start and, and not really knowing what I was getting myself into. And um, moving up to Indiana from Oklahoma was, was a huge change and um, brought with it a whole host of challenges. And, and I was right towards the end of my college career. I, I was fortunate enough to be given the opportunity, like you said, to to punt on the University of Indianapolis football team and um, being involved in those hugely professional programs at a college level was instrumental in, in um, I guess, furthering my uh, career as a physiotherapist and, and providing what I've learned in the, in the States to, you know, players, athletes, coaches, anyone coming up through sporting systems who were wanting that extra edge, knowing how to teach the technique of kicking and, um, you know, anything like that was, was what I really wanted to get into. And I knew that being a physiotherapist was exactly where I wanted to go. And I wasn't exactly sure how I was going to get there and, um, or when I was going to become a physio, but, um, coming back to, to Australia, um, at the end of 2015, uh, I was I was lucky enough to get in contact with the course coordinator here at Macquarie University, and and she was she was quite you know determined to to give me this opportunity to come up to Sydney and study, and and if I put in place what she had told me to do, then then it was going to be quite likely that I was going to come up. So um, 
yeah, ended up coming up to, to Sydney in 2016 to uh, to start the Doctor of Physiotherapy degree, and and right off the bat, you know, we're thrown into into quite clinically um, set up uh, opportunities where we're working with clinicians around the state, and and just as soon as I was in in those private practices where athletes are coming through, and, and you know, female athletes are coming through with a host of injuries quite different to the males. Um, it was quite clear that if if I could separate myself and understand how the female body worked and how it how it reacted to sport, then and and if I could help these female athletes progress through their rehab, then you know really opened up a lot of a lot of doors. And at the time, I didn't think too much about it or, or where that could take me. And then just in the last year um, working, that's when it's really kicked off and. Um, come across several players, um, you know, from the Penrith Rams um, women's team. And, and that's really where level up and, and focusing on women's sport, particularly AFL, has, has started. So um, it, it's been a, a real roundabout way for me and, and taking me all over the world. But, um, yeah, over the last 12 months or so, it, it's really where I've, I've um, refined, you know, where, where I want to get into. And, and I've developed a lot of resources that I want to pass on, essentially, and, and you know, I've developed um, a lot of skills to be able to teach technique and strength and conditioning and, and recovery and, and certain parts of injury prevention um, that a lot of these junior players aren't exposed to, and they, they're hugely athletic and they get into sport and, and don't know how to get the most out of their body. And, and when they're not performing well, how do they how do they respond to that? So there's a huge... Um, you know, mental capacity to that as well, which is which is really important, which is touched on in, in level up as well. So, um, yeah, I think, like I said, over the last twelve months, really being involved with with some some of the girls aspiring to play AFL, um, I've been able to to demonstrate, you know, where I've come from and and how I can get across the message of, of skills and, and strength and conditioning and and provide it to those people who were who are in, my, in the position that I was when I was their age. So, yeah, that, that, it's pretty exciting, to be honest. Yeah. You're a punter, you said, at the University of Indianapolis. Did you ever get cleaned up by a linebacker? No, do you know, it's uh, it's quite reassuring when you, you get the ball snapped to you and you get 380-kilo guys step in front of you to protect <laughs> you. So, it's, uh, as long as you get the ball away clearly, you're in good shape. So. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, last thing I want to ask you, uh, you did a thesis um, that yeah. sounds fascinating uh, and it's published. Uh, it's on the subsequent injuries following concussion in AFL football. Um, yeah. I'd love to explore this with far longer than the amount of time we have available, but just give us a, a real snapshot of what your findings were. So, yeah, essentially there were there were three components to to our research and, and like you said mine looked on the subsequent injury so um an AFL player who suffered a, a concussion as their first injury of the season um was obviously compared to a, to an athlete who was who suffered another injury other than concussion as their their right. first injury of the season and so what are we saying concussion v hamstring exactly right yep. that's it yep so and, and what this so once those players return to, to playing AFL, if they suffered a, a subsequent injury after their return, 
what what did that look like for the concussion athletes? So um, we, we found that the head, the trunk, and, and upper limb injuries were were much more prevalent for those AFL players who suffered a concussion as their first injury of the season, mm. um, and that and that's going to take um, you know treatment and, and getting those players who are concussed. Um, you know, it's going to their rehab is going to look a little bit different, and a, a big emphasis needs to be on the the, um, the trunk strength and endurance and upper limb strength. So um, it was really interesting. The findings were were great, and I was fortunate enough to present it up on the Gold Coast at the Sports Medicine Australia conference last year. And um, but certainly, it, it gives light to how rehab would look like for players who suffered concussion and. And it's not all about leg strength and leg power, which you know is hugely prevalent in the AFL, hamstrings and ankles and knees and and all that sort of thing. So um, yeah, really took into consideration all those types of injuries, but certainly showed that players who suffered concussion at a, a bit of a higher rate of suffering, you know, injury to their upper body much more. So, mm. so on yeah. that basis, if you mm. uh, deal with an athlete who suffers a concussion what sort of training program do you advocate on top of I guess passing a concussion test before they come yeah. back to football yeah so I think the, the traditional rehab is quite conservative you know someone presents with a concussion okay we're going to sit you out for four weeks you know once that four weeks time lines up you're allowed to come back and, sure. and that's quite that's that's uh, it's not going to be beneficial for the player at all. It's um, really four weeks as well, Daniel, isn't it? It's often far absolutely. quicker than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, and you know, it's funny actually. I started working with a, a, a rugby player who was concussed this week and who presented to uh, hospital and was told by the doctor at hospital, "Look, sit you four weeks out, make sure your symptoms settle. After that, go back and play." And mm. and that's hugely detrimental, you know. So. He came in. We did a, a full um, sports concussion assessment, and and was quickly found that his symptoms were quite mild, um, and put on a, a graded exercise program. So we need, um, you know, focusing on heart rate, working quite low at the start because because of his symptoms. So between fifty and sixty percent of his his um, max heart rate. So we're getting him moving, you know, and that's in the first week of, of him having a concussion and, and that, that will be progressed based on his symptoms. So we need to progress him back into eventually running and, and contact um, training before he then goes back onto the field. So you can imagine someone sitting out four weeks following a concussion, sitting on the couch, not doing anything for four weeks. Oh, I feel great. I'm going to jump back into it and play. Mm. A little bit slow, you know, that, that match fitness is down a little bit and, and you know, you're just putting the player at risk of further injury. So over the next couple of weeks, uh, those four weeks, following a concussion, yeah, graded exercise, working back into running, contact at training when ready, and then back into into game simulation and, and eventually matches. So, um, yeah, there, there's certainly a lot we can do for concussion or, or players who suffered concussion. Um, before they return to the field, and it's not just about rest, which is which can actually be a little bit worse. So, um, yeah, certainly it's a it's a really developing and kind of a flavour of the month topic concussion. But um, yeah, quite important for for players and 
especially women coming through who, you know, their technique might not be as, as sharp as what we'd like it uh, like it to be and, and knowing how to tackle and the position to be in and all sorts of things. We're going to come across women who do suffer concussions and not, you know, women who are going to suffer concussions in the AFL, you know, based on on tackling technique, which, which has developed quite young through the juniors for, for the boys who are coming up, needs to be taught quite, uh, quite quickly for the women and, and knowing how to manage um, any athlete off concussion is going to be really important because there's plenty you can do in the weeks leading up to their return to to matches and and we we really need to put them in a position to return at optimal fitness um, both mentally and physically to be able to perform when they do return. So. And I imagine on your findings, you're also encouraging men and women uh, to mm. perhaps perform upper upper limb, uh, upper torso type strengthening exercises as a bit of a preventative measure just on what you've found in your research? Yeah, no doubt. I, I think it's it's a bit too early to comment too much about about that side of things, but I think it would be extremely beneficial to, to work on a, a full body conditioning um, type training and, and that's a whole other thing for, for women as well because you know, you want to build up strength and, and especially in the upper body and body image is a really important thing, obviously, for, for women and um, understanding that building strength doesn't mean putting on a huge amount of muscle mass. It's it's about becoming quite, um, you know, physically strong doesn't mean that you're going to look like a bodybuilder or anything like that. So um, that's a, a really important message to get across because the stronger we can get um, the whole body, just like we've said, the trunk and, and arms and neck endurance is, is just as important as, as having strong, strong legs and, and hips and things like that. Absolutely. Daniel, it's a fascinating topic. Um, it's been really revealing just to, for you to be able to share a bit of uh, the information that you have in specifically to women uh, aspiring to become AFLW players. We wish you all the best with Level Up and thanks for joining us at Hooked on Sport. Not a problem. Thanks for having me, Ben. Cheers. Hi, I'm Bruce McAvaney and you're listening to Hooked on Sport. So with Daniel's help, we can expect to see a range of talented young footballers emerging in the AFLW draft in the next few years. And that wraps up episode 34 of Hooked on Sport. As always, our gratitude to Sport SA and the Breakthrough Mental Health Research Foundation with support from Business SA and SA Health. Hooked on Sport is on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, so feel free to shoot us a note and say hi. Thank you to Ben Watson who wrote and recorded the musical intro to Hooked on Sport and to the show's producers Wallace Long and Desiree McMahon. We will see you soon at Hooked on Sport.